Welcome to In a World Podcast. This is our fifth episode. I don't know. I should stop counting Probably, them. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyways. Wait, what if you don't do them in order when you actually? Yeah, they, yeah they that's might true. Not <laughs> they might not even be in order. I don't know. Like people are going to be so confused with this, uh, this segment at the top. Anyways. <laughs> um, today we have a special guest. Oh, I'm a special guest? Yes. Every guest is a special guest. Oh, well, you should have lied to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, my special guest today, who's very funny and very lovely, is Louise Sylvester. Hello. <laughs> and you chose this movie today. I did. Um, I didn't. I can't really take credit for it. You were like, pick a movie. And so I just texted my mom and I was like, what's a like classic horrible movie and she responded in two seconds with Ishtar (laughs) she literally (laughs) had it like lock and loaded I know it was surprising but also very convenient because I did no work whatsoever (laughs) um well that well so uh, as she mentioned our our movie for today is Ishtar and um it is a 1987 film was that a question or a statement uh, yeah it's it's statement statement uh, so the budget was $55 million. Oh, this is my favorite part. All of the monetary facts yeah, about yeah, this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the box office for it was $14.4 million. Oh, man. <laughs> this is so, so sad. Domestic or international? I'm not sure. Like, I don't really dig too deep. But, like, it's an 87 film, so I don't know if it goes international. You don't know if international existed in 1987? Yeah, no. no. Is that- <laughs> Is like that what you're claiming only here? goes back so far. <laughs> I have like probably I'm like a goldfish, but in years, like two years is like the max of memory I can. You can remember. Yes. Wow. Um. So this is a rare film. It was directed by a female. Oh. <laughs> God, that's depressing, <laughs> isn't it? But I mean, you're not wrong. Well, yeah, I'm not wrong. Um, her name is Elaine May. Um, Ishtar was her last film that she directed. Was it her first film that she directed? No, no. Her, um, she directed a couple before that, but um, she's directed five. She has five under her belt. Yeah. Oh, and this was the final straw. Yeah. One of them was the original Heartbreak Kid. Yeah, yeah. Which was like really crazy. It was. It's the. Um, I know what that is. Uh, it's a kind of a somewhat classic. Oh dear, Ben, ben yes, Stiller, the Heartbreak it. Kid. Yeah, of yeah, course, um, a classic. <laughs> <laughs> the original Heartbreak Kid was like '72, and it had like Peter Falk in it and uh, John Cassavetes. Yeah, Silver Shepherd. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, no, uh, oh yeah, no, I'm like re re. My notes are all messed up. <laughs> that Peter Falk and John Cassavetes. That note was for Mickey and Nikki. Yes, that's Mickey 70, and Nikki. 76. Yes, I know all these people in films. (laughs) Very familiar. Uh, Very convincing, (laughs) Louise. (laughs) Um, Uh. And so the actors, the two leads uh, for this film is uh, Warren Beatty. And he started acting in 57, which is crazy. He's like extensive. So he's been working for 30 years before this film came out. And then... um, and and then Dustin Hoffman, of course, mm-hmm. um, who he started acting in '61, so he's like a, a little a junior compared to a Warren Beatty. But he uh, right before it, he like did um, Tootsie, or like oh, the yeah. big the biggest film that he did was Tootsie. Mm-hmm. And then Rain Man was right after Ishtar, so he like kind of sandwiched two good good movies between this. <laughs> 
shitty movie. Well, wasn't he doing this movie as a favor? Maybe, probably. This I is didn't what the it. Wikipedia told okay. me. Okay, that wouldn't. Make I should just pretend of... I knew that. Yeah. I shouldn't have given away my source. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Though. Yeah, it's definitely a favor for sort of film. I think they both were doing it as a favor. Oh. Oh, interesting. If I'm not mistaken. That would be a really, it would make sense. Um, at this point, I always tell the listeners, you can stop and watch the film if you want to follow along. But I don't know. You're What if they're driving? That's true. It's mostly a driving. Uh, well, you could stop, park on the side <laughs> of the freeway, and then put on Ishtar if you'd like. We don't, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. It's on YouTube. Is it? Wait, that's literally where you rented it from. Oh yeah, I mean, like you can rent it, but you can't. Oh, it's I see not, what like, you're saying. Yeah, I it's not on any like streaming services. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so let's get into the pitches on how to fix this film. How would have you fixed it? Well, okay, first off, I just want to back up and say that I read all this stuff about it mm-hmm. right on Wikipedia. People hated it. I was like, amazing. This is going to be terrible. But you know what? I did not think it was that horrible. Mm. I don't think it was a good film. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not alone. Oh. Because apparently, Martin Scorsese, Quentin Tarantino, and Edgar Wright are on record for liking this film as well. Well, so. there you go. <laughs> well, you're good in good I'm company. Among, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, because I thought it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, it wasn't great. It was kind of cut really weird at times. Yeah. But I enjoyed myself. It wasn't like when I watched The Room and I was like, this isn't, I don't get why people even find this entertaining at all mm-hmm. or enjoyable at all. So I don't want to like hate on it that much. Yeah. I mean, but- you're welcome to, <laughs> but I will fight you. It's not, oh my God, this is our second podcast where we got to stand. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, well, like, I mean, like, what would have you wanted to see if this was remade in a modern time? You know, I was thinking about that. What, like, a fascinating challenge would be if someone tried to remake this. Uh-huh. Um, but the, I guess the biggest complaint I had for it was I felt it was very funny when they were together. Like, when they weren't performing and they were coming up with song ideas. Because yeah. they thought it was good. Uh-huh. But then when they actually went and performed them, it kind of felt like they were trying to be bad. Yeah. And... That's not as fun as watching someone who, like, really believes Mm -hmm. that they're good. So I kind of wish they hadn't tried to make themselves so bad when they were performing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, added a little more, um, a little more, what was it, Uh, conviction into their, like… Yeah, I just, I could tell that they were like, this is what a bad performer would do. Mm, So you would have changed their direction a little bit. Yeah, it it just, I think it would have been more funny if they really loved themselves. And, yeah. But it kind of felt like they knew it was going poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that's your pitch. Then. Yeah. For like a different like character, uh, character direction. Yeah. Okay. I think that would help. Yes. Um, so my pitch is that um, they actually start out in Ishtar as singers. Oh, yeah. We were in New York for a long yeah, time. Yeah, for too long. <laughs> we did not need to be. Like, it started, like, they were, I wish they were, like, lounge, actual lounge singers that were credited as, like, these big stars in America for the Emir of, oh, like, Ishtar. I okay. would have rewritten the whole script to be, like, more. <laughs> you would have just written a different yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. is what like, you're saying. Well, with every, like, still with the same elements of it, but then rewritten it so that it made more, like, sense. And it, like, would, like, have more of, like, the Middle Eastern part, which was, like, 
the most important part of the film. Yeah, agreed. Yes. Um, I was also, there was so many politics in this. Yeah. And I kind of understood what was going on. But I really did not understand why this map was so important. Yeah, okay. They did not sell me on that. <laughs> also, it was in the lining of the jacket. Like, how did she not see that when she put it on? No. Um, so, we'll get to those points. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm ahead of yeah you're getting ahead of yourself. But you're, it's fine. It's totally fine. Okay, so we're going to get into the film right now. Oh, okay. Um, so, it starts, oh, it opens up with two dudes Singing about telling the truth. Oh, yeah, that song. Yeah, that very strange song. And I was like, okay, that's going to be like uh, like the lining, if you will, of the film. Like the underlying uh, um, Their through theme line. song, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Um, but it never really comes up again, kind it of. It does come up again. I disagree. <laughs> it oh, comes no. up again uh, at the very end of the film, oh, doesn't yeah. it? Because they perform it for all those people. Yes, yeah. Okay. Um, so, and also to note, we actually viewed the director's cut. So it was, I'm pretty sure it's Oh, we did? Yeah. It was probably a lot longer than the theatrical run. Oh. So I think maybe. So maybe it was a little better. Because, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, this is interesting information. Yes. Um, so they were singing it and they like are trying to write this hit new song because they want to be like songwriters um and they don't want to be performers but they want to be songwriters that also doesn't make sense yeah because they clearly want to be performers yeah because they're performing yeah all the time if they were um why wouldn't they hire some a singer to sing their songs or like at like to sell their songs at on stage i don't know it was a very strange like story maybe they just considered themselves singer-songwriters. As in, maybe they thought that was a different concept than yeah. being a performer. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I wasn't alive in the 80s. <laughs> I don't know what the lingo was. This was actually born on uh, the year I was born, or made on, in the year I was born. It was born, born on the year you were born. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was birthed into it the world. It was birthed into the world. <laughs> so you're an 87. Yeah, I'm an 87 guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was two years before me, so I don't know. I'm not going to tell young. you how old I am. <laughs> it's going to remain a mystery. <laughs> okay, so at one point, they're like, okay, we need an agent. This is how we're going to get big is to get okay, an was agent. that a thing in the 80s? Could you just call agents and be like, hey. I guess. You guys don't do that now? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. No. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> Like, apparently, like, the agent had an, a listing in the newspaper, and they were like, First hey, off, newspapers. Wow, what yeah. a concept. <laughs> oh, man, you're really showing your age right now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I've obviously seen a newspaper. <laughs> in the museum. <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay, so, like, they call up this agent, tell them that they're, like, going to be at this talent showcase. And we still have talent showcases now, but it's, like, kind of a weird... Thank you for clarifying. Yes, yes. Um, and they, like, perform at the showcase, and they were terrible. Like, oh, yeah. They were... This is, again, the thing where I'm, like, wait a minute. They were, like, making a song, and then they suddenly show up, and he's just, like, one chord. Yeah. And I was, like, what happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> like, writing the actual song. Because... In the beginning, it was like literally a five-minute montage of them making this song. Yeah, or exactly. And they were like working hard and they were saying like, this is genius and stuff. And then they go up on stage and it was a piece of shit. Well, it was like it was like they didn't even perform the song they wrote. It was yeah. like 
they did all that work and were like, you know what? Let's just improvise. Yeah, it. yeah. So that was uh, it. They was, did themselves a disservice. And then so they sit down with this agent and he tells them that they have no shtick and um and goes Is that on. like when Simon Cowell says that you don't have any. Yeah. Well, what does he call it? I didn't remember. No. American Idol. Uh-oh. I shouldn't have started this tangent. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. What is that? <laughs> So afterwards, I guess they tried to do a shtick after that at another showcase. And like the edit, again, like what you mentioned, the editing was kind of weird because it like either chime jumped or something. We couldn't tell mm-hmm. like where, what, how long after this meeting with this agent um, that they like actually fixed their act or whatever. And then um, even though, like, even though. They were trying to do the shtick. They still were like trying to be like show, uh, songwriters and not performers. Yes. It was- I I mean that whole the whole New York thing was confusing because then there was this other part right after it mm-hmm. where they like, oh no, I guess that's later when we do the flashback on their lives. That was confusing. Yes. Oh, okay. So um, the agent, like uh, we'll get to that point. Uh, but the agent suggests that they go to Honduras to perform in front of like the… Uh, the U.S. Army, I suppose? Or, like, who was it? That he didn't, I don't know. He wasn't sure. I immediately forgot about Honduras the minute <laughs> it was spoken. Because I knew this was Ishtar. Yeah. And we weren't going to Honduras. Yeah. yeah. So, um, they and then he gets, they get offered, like, this North African, like, uh, or Middle Eastern gig to perform in front of Americans there, I suppose. I don't know. I, I just didn't get it. Why? It was just, like, a hotel gig. Yeah. But they were terrible, though. <laughs> you mean the, before or after? <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so, and then it goes to, um, Chuck wants to be alone. Okay, so, like, we should mention their main character, the main character names. Because we don't know their names until this point, really. And how far in the movie is that? I think it was probably, like, ten minutes or something. We didn't know their names. You know what, though? I didn't care. (laughs) It's Dustin Hoffman and Laura Beatty. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Um, Names are not important. It's just those I never remember them anyway. So Chuck is um uh what's his name uh, uh Dustin I Hoffman. truly don't know. Oh okay. Yeah. And then Lyle is uh Warren Beatty. Wait, I thought his name was like an animal. It's Hawk. Hawk. I like, almost said tiger. Not the same. <laughs> I guess like they don't explain why really he was he called He did explain why cuz he was like a hawk with the ladies. Oh. Again, doesn't really make sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. But that was the rationale. So it kind of like shows that at this point after the uh, agent gives them like this, like these options to work, um, Chuck's like, I gotta be alone. So he walks into this bar and then uh, he star- he's- sits down and drinks. And then on the other side of the bar, Lyle comes in. And he was like, I'm not here. I'm just going to sit over here. <laughs> I was fine with this. Yeah. I was like, this is okay. It was a goofy scene, but they yeah. didn't really sell it for me. Well, they, I mean… They were there for two seconds, and then we had an extensive flashback. Yeah, it was like so. a long ass flashback. Um, so like they like, apparently they like met um how many months ago? Like five, five months prior to this uh, this uh part of the movie, they like they met, and then they like flashback to how Lyle is in this loveless relationship. Oh my god, I loved his wife. <laughs> his I wife. love that she never said a word. <laughs> yeah. I love that she hated everything about him in their life. And oh like, man. He was like 
in New York doing ice cream and writing ice cream jingles. I love how he ignored all the children. <laughs> this was a real highlight for me. It was a really funny scene. Like a lot of like his scenes were really funny. And that yeah, was, individually like, there were a lot of funny moments yeah, in this movie, I yeah. would say. Um, and then, like, his wife was, like, sitting there listening, and she, her eyes were just, like, halfway closed. It was just, like, half of the women I've ever met. Yeah. And so that's why I just felt so much joy. <laughs> oh, and man. Then, um, and then, I guess, at a restaurant, Chuck, it was revealed Chuck was a lounge singer, and he wrote this song for this couple. Oh, who, that was also wonderful. Who who was cele- celebrating their 80, like a, 53rd oh, wedding anniversary. Yeah, wow, I remember a lot of numbers today. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Um, 53rd anniversary. And he told them that he would write them a song if they came back for their 53rd anniversary. And he performed that song. And it was a cruelly, cr- like a really cruel song to sing about old people. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was wonderful. It was all about them dying, right? Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. What a treat. Um, um, let's see. Where I wrote down what he wrote or like sang. Uh, oh, here. Um, Honestly, you could make it up, and you'd probably be pretty close. <laughs> okay, this is literally a line from the song that uh, Chuck wrote for these old people. Leaving love in my will. Oh as, yeah. As in, one of them will die and get the love. After he dies. Oh, yeah. No, it was a very considerate song. Yeah. It was it was mind-bogglingly terrible. But I, again, like, I wish that he was selling it more. He was just, like, kind of like, eh. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. This was actually one of the songs that I, I felt like when they performed together, they were less selling it mm-hmm. than when he was by himself. Yeah. I have less complaints on this song. Oh, Okay. Like, it could have been, like, more loungy, you know, like, know loud singer. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yes, we cut to him talking to his girlfriend who is, like— <gasps> It's the girl from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. woman. Yes. I apologize. Um, the woman. I can't remember her name. Do you know her name, Adam? Yes, Carol Kane. Yes. yes. She's, oh, she's, she's been great. in so many things. Yeah, like, she has. And yet I can never remember her. <laughs> yeah. She was in Adam's Family. Yeah. She was the aunt. Yes. Um, but she was like, she was like so in love with Chuck and she was like begging him to marry her and stuff and move in. Oh, actually move in with her or something. Yeah. And he was like, let's no. not get carried away. Yeah. <laughs> like he was like, no, this hawk walks alone, basically. <laughs> that was that really not, what he said. No. Oh, I was like, damn. I would understand flies alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, walks alone. Walks alone. <laughs> um, so he gets a note from Lyle. From another table saying that he's also a songwriter and he wants to talk and like they get so excited. And then this like montage happens between them. Like, oh, yes. It's it, like doesn't make any sense because of the time jumps, you know? Yeah, the timing is a little confusing. Yeah, because like it like fast forwards to like when they're like together writing that song, the, uh, the song about lying in the um, beginning. Mm-hmm. And then like they. Fat, like rewinds back to like the girlfriend slash wife like sitting there in an empty restaurant kind of thing. Oh and, like, yes, my favorite character. Yeah, the yeah. Wife. Um, she truly was the star of this film. <laughs> <laughs> if she had no lines and like was the main character, I would have like watched the shit of this movie. <laughs> but um, yeah, she was just like she just picks up and leaves. And oh, I know it say was amazing. Anything. Um, and like. This long ass like montage kind of ends 
um, or like throughout it, like they lose their girlfriend slash boy or wife. Um, like Lyle, Lyle's wife, who's the silent hero of this film, like <laughs> leaves him, divorces him, and then um, the other girlfriend was just tired of Chuck's like. That was Shit. the weirdest cut in the entire he, film. They were like walking down the street and then suddenly cuts to her like yelling at him. Yeah. Do you remember no, this? Yes. And I was like, what? Yeah. It made no sense at no. all. Um, and then he, um, at the end of this montage, it turns out that Chuck was going to commit suicide by oh, yeah, jumping. yeah, that was dark. Yeah, jumping off the building. But he calls Lyle first saying like, hey, don't come. I just want you to know that I'm going to kill myself. Oh, yeah. I love that because it was so clear. He wanted him to call the police. He wanted all the attention. Yeah. Like, he, like, he was like, don't call the police because I don't want that attention at all. Mm -hmm. And then he was just sitting inside of his apartment. He wasn't even on the ledge or anything. Oh, yes. He was lying. Yeah. So, like, he, um, Lyle drives up and um, he's like, but before that, like, a bunch of cops show up and they're like, sir, cut. Could you come down? Could you come down? Um, are, like, you, are you you getting emotional? Oh yeah, I'm getting you. super emotional. <laughs> Do you have like a tissue or anything? This is an emotional scene. Yeah, it was like so You're really feeling it. <laughs> oh, my favorite part was when his rabbi showed up. Yeah, <laughs> his parents who were like, Chuck, Charles, just come in. Like they were just like begging him to come in. But but they also no. weren't worried at all. Yeah, like they were like, this is has happened so many times. But if that has happened so many times, why didn't it happen throughout the film kind of thing? Because they were in Ishtar. Uh, okay. But yes. So no ledge is in Ishtar. <laughs> so, um, what was it? Um, and then Chuck, sh- or uh, Lyle shows up. Thank you. Um, Lyle shows up. who's like, basically on the ledge. Oh, so emotional. <laughs> He's on the uh, – uh, Lyle shows up and, like, gets on the ledge. You're and, just like, a really big fan of Chuck. <laughs> yeah. Even, yeah. even the, the idea of him possibly just, going away. Just going away. I'm such a huge Dustin Hoffman fan. Um, but, yeah, so Lyle comes out on the ledge and, like, like talks him out. And, like, he says something so stupid but pr- so profound at the same time. Yeah, I vaguely remember this. It literally was um, – Oh, good. You wrote it down. Yes, I wrote it down. Um takes a lot of guts to have nothing at your life at your age oh yes i loved this <laughs> it takes so much guts to and i weirdly <laughs> understood what he meant yes especially in this day and age like to be like okay we have like being 30 and not owning anything at all like uh not owning a house or anything it takes so much guts to do that to live paycheck by paycheck yeah basically <laughs> We just took a very dark turn, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, so did the movie. It's yeah, not our fault. Yeah. Okay, so we cut back to the present bar. Or like the, the present day, quote unquote, where like Chuck and Lyle are at the bar in separate like corners of the bar. And this is like, and then, um, and then Chuck goes, let's go to the Middle East because we don't want to do Honduras because it's dangerous. That was literally what he said. I mean, it's not horrible reasoning. It's not. But if they opened up a newspaper, I think at the time. Well, do we? That's the thing, though. We don't know how dangerous Ishtar was because it does not exist. Yeah. Am yeah. I wrong? It doesn't exist. In right? real, in real life. Yes. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, good. Like the, yeah. the I was country about to of Ishtar. So ignorant. Yeah. yeah. 
I thought it was a city for some reason. I thought it was a god because when I kept Googling Ishtar, it kept bringing up yeah, an like, ancient god. Yeah. So maybe it was named after the god, if you will. So it took them 22. Oh, no. So the job was in Morocco, but they had to like land in Ishtar for some reason. Yeah. That was also yeah. strange. Yeah. Um, so it took them 22 minutes to get to Ishtar. Like 22 oh, I minutes. You meant in, no, no, in no. The movie. They were like, "This was a 22 minute flight." No, no, no. It took them 20 minutes of the movie to get to the meat and potatoes of the oh um, yes. movie. Was yes. there like a whole other? There's like a whole other crazy backs like more to this than just the singing though, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it literally. I did not read anything about this movie, so I was like thrown off. By, like, A, knowing that it was called Ishtar and having, like, the imagery of, like, sand and a camel. Mm -hmm. And then them being in New York being lounge singers or singers or whatever. Struggling songwriters or whatever. And then uh, and then them going to the Middle East. And then there was, like, a little chunk before they land. There's an archaeological dig. In- oh, yes, but that's very important. Right? Yes, it's very important to the story. <laughs> well, that's like the theme of like all these is like they just don't know. Like all of the, the films we've done so far yeah. is they just don't know where to get like get just get to the the, the meat of, the, yeah, of what we're doing. Yeah. Like, it just takes too many like side streets yeah. and stuff. Like to explain like where uh, like these characters are coming from. But we should already know who these characters are. They could just say that they're like songwriters or right. something. There was like no need for the New York scene like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so like this professor finds this map that predicts two messengers of God that will end the war in the Middle East or, like, bring down the uh, emir of Ishtar or something. Uh-huh. And I was like, a map? Where does the map lead? Like, a map leads to somewhere. Oh, I never thought about this. Yeah. Like, it should have been a prophecy. So, Ishtar is actually referring to the gate, the eighth gate into Babylon. Oh. Yeah, that's what actually Ishtar is. Why didn't they say that? We could have used this but, information. But Ishtar, I think Ishtar is the fake city, obviously. Uh. I don't think Babylon's not like, it's like a, that's like a biblical place with like oasis and, uh. and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's like, it's the metaphor. <laughs> it's the metaphor. That blew I both see. of our over I our see. Oh, okay, God. I kind of get that now. Yeah, it makes a little more sense now that you added that detail (laughs) um so so um i guess as soon as they find the map like a bunch of people like realize the the map exists i guess Mm -hmm. and then like all these bad guys from who supposedly work for the mirror or like the uh i don't know yeah no that would make sense yeah but they don't really say who they're working for and then they like Killed the guy who found it, and he, but he hid it and told his sister mm-hmm. that he hid it somewhere that she would know where it is. And then, so, oh my gosh, this this story of like, I need a break for one second. <laughs> uh, I lost my place, a train of thought. Okay. Uh, here's a little brief. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Speaking of camels in the desert, the coordinator that was uh, trying to find a blue-eyed camel. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Good story. <laughs> uh found a blue-eyed camel that was very rare in like Morocco while like at a at some trade uh place and a market a market 
uh, and found it and was like, cool, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to go find another one and use the one that I found as like negotiation tactics. Turns out couldn't find another blue one because they're extremely rare. Uh So it comes back to the first guy and it's not there anymore because the owner ate it. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They ate it? Wait, is this part of the movie or like… No, this is like part of the lore of the film. Like just another crazy story of the production, which I have a lot of them. Uh, IMDB is is the most. I will sprinkle them (laughs) throughout. Yes, sprinkle them throughout. (laughs) Okay. When I take breaks from telling this yeah. <laughs> this movie. Um, so we cut to Chuck and Lyle on the plane singing. And like… Uh, Why? Can I just pause for a moment? Why was the plane so dark? Yeah. Is this what planes were like in the 80s? <laughs> I don't know. There were no lights on this plane except for windows. Yeah, that's true, right? Like, but they should have cabin lights. I mean, did they in the 80s? This is my question. Probably did. Yeah. They… As a person that was born in the 80s. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to act like I, the I 80s is a completely it. foreign time to me and I can't well, they're even lounge conceptualize. They, they, they're lounge singers. They're like cockroaches. They can't operate in the light. <laughs> they oh. have to, uh, well, before they sing, they actually have uh, to dim the lights. Uh, well, that's just there rude. Was, there was no singing in the desert, was there? No, probably exactly. There was singing in the oh, desert. Okay. I'll bring it up when we get to it. And okay. I'll be like, hey, <laughs> you're wrong. So they land in the Middle East and there's chaos everywhere. And like there's announcements in English about how like um, there's a curfew and there's like the the… The whole country's on shutdown or something for, for no like they don't really explain why, but it might have to do with the map and how like there's a woman running around who you yeah, know I think it's because there's just um like a resistance yeah going on. yeah so oh yeah that would makes a lot of sense um so they land Lyle goes off to get coffee and then um he and then Chuck just stands there and there's a Somebody's staring at him, and he's like, "What the hell?" And and then there's like this slightly homophobic, but not really like com- exchange. Oh, I thought it was kind of funny how much he was trying not to be homophobic. Yeah, yeah, it was like so. This guy, like quote unquote guy, goes up to him and like starts talking to him, and he was like, "Look, I'm not interested in men. I like only women." But there's nothing wrong with being gay or anything. <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, I, I thought it was funny. Yeah. I enjoyed that exchange. But like he just kept on like saying that. But this person was like asking for help. It wasn't like some sexual come All on right. or anything. First off, if this had happened to you in an airport, Mary, wh- what would your reaction have been? Because mine would have been very different from Dustin Hoffman's. Yeah, it would have been like, um, hey, sorry, I can't help you. Or I would literally go… No speak English. Oh my god. No, well, you, you don't speak English? You would say, I don't speak English. <laughs> Just walk away. Hey, sometimes racism works in my favor. <laughs> oh, god. oh dear. But what would you say, Louise? I, I don't know. I just… Well, okay. First off, I understand that the point of the movie is that they're like dumb. Yeah. And that they're easily swayed and they think they're these like ladies men, but they're mm. not. So I get that. And so I understand his reaction. But I just kept thinking the whole time, that's, it's so dumb. Mm-hmm. It's so dumb. To give your passport to someone, first off, she's a woman. How yeah. is her passport going to help you? Yeah. Okay. So also, um, she was like, take my suitcase. And I yeah. was like, absolutely not. Yeah. I've listened to airports tell me for years. Please <laughs> keep an eye on your baggage. Pre 9 11. Do not leave it. Oh. <laughs> 
This is what it's like in the 80s. They yeah. do people just exchanged baggage, like a little roulette. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, um, um, you, uh, you jumped a little ahead, but she, like, flashes him, basically. I didn't, I was, like, taking notes and I, like, saw it out of the corner of my eye. I'm not sure if she actually flashed him, flashed him, or she just. She did flash him, but it was so quick that I was like, uh, this could be a heavy set man. Yeah. I don't know that this is a woman. <laughs> this revealed nothing. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I was like, that's not convincing. <laughs> Not convincing. No. What would be convincing? How how would how would I demand someone as part of your pitch? How would you improve it? Prove this this uh, to know whether or not it's a female. uh, That's that's difficult. Maybe her passport would say, but it is in in probably in Middle Eastern uh, language. Whatever whatever the Ishtars speak. Ishtarian. Yeah. I I guess. uh, I mean. One boob is maybe not sufficient. Yeah. Maybe if we'd had like, again, I'm not saying I wanted to see this, but you're making a a, a hard case that you did. Though. <laughs> no, but what what I'm saying is it wasn't. I was not convinced that that like made her a woman. I don't know. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Just because there's boobs doesn't. Just because there's boobs doesn't right. mean it's a woman. No, this is. I'm it's very. True. It's true. 2019. Yeah, it's 2019. Yeah. You know what? You don't know. How do you know what they were identifying? Yeah, no, you yes, don't. No. So um, he and after the flashing of the boobs, like he's like, okay, I will exchange my passport and my luggage with you, and like change my jacket too. But that's insane that she would like he would do that because especially like a passport is really crazy important. It's oh yeah, no, I don't disagree with any of this. In, but I think it's supposed to be insane. Yeah, and then um, and then like he. He, and what she says is that he could just get it from the American embassy and stuff. And, and I was like, okay, do you not notice the chaos around <laughs> you? Like, are you really that stupid? I mean, I think yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then Lyle comes back and then sees that Chuck changed his jacket um, and has different luggage. And so, like, they cut to going to the embassy and they are shit out of luck, <laughs> as we predicted. Um and, and, like, Ishtar is on a brink of civil war. And um, so he was just like, uh, uh, the show must go on. So he just sends Lyle on his way to Morocco. Which I thought was actually kind of reasonable. Yeah. I thought Lyle was going to be like, I can't leave without you. Yeah. I don't know why I just gave him that accent. <laughs> that made no sense. That was a spot on Warren Beatty. <laughs> well, he, he kind of had that, like, uh, southern twang a little Maybe bit, too. Maybe that's what my brain was thinking. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Uh, because I, which is kind of stupid, um, because he is a simpler person compared to Chuck. Yeah, like they. I'm sorry, gave, what are you saying about <laughs> people in the South? No, I'm not please, saying that at all. Please continue. Like, I'm, my my point is that that was dumb that they would make him a Southern or like have a Southern um, like like accent and then make him like simple. You know, though, even though it's not true, like Southern people aren't simple at all. They're He's, complex human beings. You're saying, oh, good, we got back around on that one. <laughs> You maybe maybe he's just more uh, gullible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they just like it was kind of like that old like stereotype of like certain right. um, certain people who have accents from the south. Oh, that, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that he had to be simple, and then like Chuck, who's New Yorker, who knows everything. Kind did of he? Thing. Okay, this is a stupid question. Did he have a southern accent? Because I did not. I notice it was a very subtle one. That's what I okay. heard. But I could be. 
totally racist against Southern people. <laughs> you just like projected it on him. That guy's dumb. He's Southern. <laughs> oh, man. Even though I very much highlight the point that I was against this idea from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. It's a good save. Um, so Lyle goes off to the show. Um, and then Chuck goes to the uh, to this hotel with little to no money because he um, he got scammed by like a taxi driver, I suppose. I'm not sure because they didn't really explain how much money. I think he's just poor. Yeah. As a whole. Yeah. <laughs> so at the hotel, Chuck meets this another American and he offers to buy him dinner. And uh, during dinner, this American is a loose-lipped CIA agent. <laughs> yeah, that was strange. <laughs> yeah. He was just like talking about like the war and how important it is for the Americans to keep democracy within like the Middle East or something. But I guess we all knew that. That wasn't a secret. Yeah, it was not a secret, but I I was just surprised at how weirdly written the CIA agent mm. was um was you know, like he like he found out that uh, Chuck was a a songwriter. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I'm a CIA agent. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you don't, normally don't like announce that. Do you? Yeah, no. You're not even supposed to be pictured, I don't think. What do you mean? Like you're In no, the world? Yes. No photographs of you yeah. must exist? Yeah. Like a vampire? Yeah, kind of. I don't know. I may be wrong. I learned this on S-U-E-U. S what now? S-V-U. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that a cop show? Yes. Okay. Are there CIA agents in SVU? No. Yeah, in one of the episodes, yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, Jim, the CIA agent, um, like, says that they're trying to look for somebody who could spread democracy. And it would it would pay one fifty per week. Mm-hmm. And so this piqued <laughs> Chuck's interest. <laughs> and he was like, what, what, say what now? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. He, he really wasn't interested. So, and cut to Morocco, where Lyle is trying to sing a Simon and Garfunkel song. Oh my god, song. I also love this. How they would only shout out not Simon and Garfunkel songs. Yeah, like none of it was Simon and Garfunkel great. songs. And then, um, and then Chuck shows up, and he starts singing um, That's Amore. Because the audience was mm-hmm. like shouting out, That's Amore, let's. Let's hear that song. Mm-hmm. Even though it was not a Simon Garfunkel song at all. We'd moved on at that yes. point. Yes. Um, and then there's a montage of them singing. Oh, yeah. I thought that was fine. Yeah. I was there for that. Oh, man. I was like, get to the but story. But see, that was, that was my point. Because when they were doing that, those other songs, they could play instruments. Yeah. Like, they, they weren't completely inept. Yeah. And yet whenever they did their own music, it was like they couldn't play instruments yeah, anymore. Like, yeah. It was very… Strange. Yeah, it's so strange. Um, so it turns out um, the CIA agent um, helped Chuck to get over to Morocco, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. Like, it makes a lot of sense. It took me a second to get that, though. I was like, how did he just get here? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I guess they get really popular at this restaurant full of, like, expats in the Middle East. Um, and they... They were just like getting bombarded and wanted like people. They people wanted them to play at other places. Yeah, there was also this guy who had a palace. Yeah, who invited him to his palace, but he also like shitted on his palace. Yeah, at the same time. Yeah, did you hear that? Yeah. He was like, "Come to my unworthy palace," <laughs> and, and I, I was like, like "What?" I don't know. 
I'm pretty sure any palace would be worthy of anybody, but especially them because they were terrible. He was just being humble. Humble palace owners. You know how it is. Really like. Um, So we cut to the hotel. Lyle goes back with um, to the hotel by himself because Chuck is like doing something else. Um, And as Lyle's like sleeping, someone sneaks into the room to try to get uh, Chuck's. Stuff. Or I like, love how he knew to roll off the bed. Yeah. I was like, note taken. Because I wouldn't have thought to do that. Yeah. But now I will. He woke up and like he saw out of the corner of his eye like someone coming in. So he like rolls off and like gets to the side of the bed and like kind of like sneakily watches this person rummage through smart. their stuff. Yeah. He was pretty smart in that instance. And um, so it turns out Lyle decides to wrestle this woman. <laughs> Or it's the woman from the airport um, trying to get her stuff back. And, like, Lyle starts wrestling with him. And then all of a sudden, she kisses him? Well, she, again, her horrible tactics are trying to prove she's a woman. <laughs> she keeps going down these routes that really just don't prove anything. Because he, he uh, like, he was like, little boy, don't do that. Like, I know, I did love his reaction. He was weirdly, like, very nice. <laughs> he was like, uh, like, um, and then... He slaps her because he thinks that— I thought he punched her. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe he punched her. Because um, she kept being like, oh, on her lip for like five minutes. And I was like, girl, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and he still like calls her a boy and stuff. It like was just like— Was uh, this woman like pretty or anything? She was wrapped up. Yeah, she— You couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. so the, you couldn't really see her thing. face. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so at one point, like, she turns around and he grabs her and gropes her. Oh, that was weird. Yeah, that was, like, that was super strange. weird. That was a long time. I get, like, when you go to lift someone up and you accidentally, like, grab some breasts. Yeah. I get that, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But, like, he kept looking for them. Yeah, he was, like, like, he was just, like, exploring grabbing. her chest. <laughs> he, like, grabbed her and the whole time she was, like, telling him about this horrible civil war that was happening. I know. In, uh, Ishtar and what she was trying to do in like being part of the revolution kind of it was just very strange I mean he got he got hooked on that first viewing he's just, no this was this is a different man yeah. oh wow <laughs> like completely like two Maybe separate men spread the word yeah spread the word about it it, it just it was a lot of yeah. groping it was a uh, lot of groping yeah a very long time and then she kind of slaps him away after a while eventually yeah eventually yeah. um and then she she tells Chuck that uh or she tells Lyle that Chuck is working with the CIA. Like, and I was like, wait, how did she know that? Like, unless she was, like, watching both of them at the... I, I don't know. I mean, I think they of... both have their own little, like, networks. Yeah, that's true. Um, And, uh... I mean, this is a professional coup organization, Mary. That right? is true. They're not messing around I've, here. I've never led a coup before, so how would I know? <laughs> Um, so she tells him that she's going to meet, she plans to meet with Lyle for some reason. <laughs> I don't, I think it was, oh, you mean like the camel market? Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. She tells him to meet her at a camel market. Oh, she's like, if you believe me. Yeah. She's like, my friend would never do that. It, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And then on the other side of town, Chuck goes meets with the CIA agent, Jim, and, um, uh, he apparently... Jim tells Chuck about, like, how this chick is on 
the CIA's radar because she's a left-wing agent. Oh, I loved how Jim had an Apple Watch inexplicably in 1987. Did you see when he, like, spoke into his watch? Oh. I was like, oh. I did not see that for some reason. That is strange. Um, And then Jim tells... Jim thinks that Lyle is a left-wing agent. So this is kind of a confusing part. So both Lyle and Chuck are being played as pawns against Mm -hmm. each other. And, but I was like, this happened within like hours. How would they know any of this is happening? You know what I mean? Well, because the CIA was bugging, Uh, what's his face, with that pen. That pen that they took like two minutes to give to him. And I was like, this pen is important. I don't know why, Yeah, this will circle back. Um, Oh, yeah. So he was like listening in Mm -hmm. on them. Okay. Talking. And, but, so Jim was saying that Lyle was a left-wing, um, uh, agent because he was uh what was he doing like he because they saw the shira that's her name um walking out of the uh, hotel and her hair was or like she looked disheveled so they assumed that they fucked each other that was funny and dumb (laughs) yeah so it was like just like i was like why would you assume that they had slept together just like Maybe I would have assumed that she got roughed up because she snuck into somebody's hotel or something. She's a woman outside of the law. You don't yeah. know what she's capable yeah, of there. It's the 80s. Women and, <laughs> women and men can't be friends. That's what yeah. happened in the 80s, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I knew a girl named Shira. She was nothing like this woman. Oh, yeah. Hopefully not. Because <laughs> she was, this character was like so flatlined. I just did not know exactly what she was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, yeah. That's fair. Um. So. Oh, what was it? Here, take a break. Sure. Give us another fact fact time. Um, Apparently, okay, this is a good one. Uh, Apparently, uh, that they, oh yeah, this is wild. They shot so much footage uh, for this film, um, uh, they meaning Elaine May, the director and uh, I guess writer, that it actually turned out, the movie came out to about 190, or um, an hour and, uh, and a half, about 90 minutes. And I guess the ratio of which the amount that they used and the amount that they shot was 61 to 1. There was oh, a, my God. So you mean like 90 minutes times 60 yes. is how much? No, a minute times 61. So for every minute that's in the film, there's like 61 to it. Yeah, there's so like you could also multiply 90. Yes, yeah, yeah. 61. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I guess that's how it works. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're here just to talk about Yes, yeah, yeah, you're movies. right. Yeah, yeah, 90 to 61. That's, yeah, that makes, that seems a right ratio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That um, is wow. incredible. That's a and lot. And like, I assume in the 80s. Yeah. Yes. When it was on actual film. Yeah. Yes. Extremely was, expensive. Yes. And plus it was like, a lot of it was in the desert. So like, there was dust flying around. And, and they a, were in the real They were in the Sahara. real Sahara Desert. Oh my God. No expenses spared. <laughs> because a Columbia Pictures that produced this was also owned by Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola had stakes in the Sahara or in Morocco and they wanted oh. to use whatever that for that. Jeez. Of, they want the, I guess the original directors wanted to shoot it like in America. Yeah. Which makes for, sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, for a film, it's for authentic. comedy. Yeah, <laughs> just super authentic Uh, so um, at this point uh, Chuck wants to back out of this deal with the CIA Um, but he can't because he's in too deep uh, apparently and then he gets money and then he goes back to the hotel and hides it little does he know that Lyle's spying on him that he's hiding money oh yeah uh huh and then the next morning Lyle sneaks out 
and then Chuck follows him. And so oh, like, this was so dumb. Yeah, it was like such a weird like situation because like so Lyle like walks off and then Chuck and then like kind of turns around and Chuck hides into this door. And then there's a bunch of like people also I'm assuming from CIA there's at following, least 10 yeah, CIA agents following Chuck as well. And I was like, why would you guys send so many agents? But that's what I mean. It was so dumb and I loved it. It was so dumb. <laughs> and then, so Lyle doubles back and like sees that Chuck was kind of following him or something. And he was like, what the hell? And so um, they w- w- both of them walk off with the other CIA agents surveilling them. <laughs> and there was like a surveillance truck as well or something. Well, yeah, it's the CIA. (laughs) And then they, um, so all of them, uh, Lyle, Chuck, and co. end up in a market. And which turns out to be like a KGB agents were there to spy on them. All the agents were there. Yeah. There was so many countries (laughs) with agents. I didn't even know that like every country had so many agents. Um, You think we're the only country with a CIA? No, not that. But like had investments in Ishtar for no reason. This fake country. (laughs) Mary, Ishtar was very important to the global political theater at that time in 1987. (laughs) This is a fun fact. This is where uh, uh, Adam McKay got the idea for all of the news agents at the end of uh, Anchorman to come in. Oh. I'm totally making that up completely. I would have believed it. Yeah, we would have believed it. I mean, you've had so many facts. I know, right? Yeah. Um, So then a gunfight starts out. Like, it starts happening. And and Chuck and Lyle are are able to sneak away from this whole, like... (gasps) Yeah, from the help of that boy. Yeah, who straight up was like... Like, dressed like Aladdin. Yeah. I was like, this is... Are they channeling Aladdin right now? Is that what I'm supposed to be thinking of? I think Aladdin comes out after this movie, yes, for sure. It it's in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, but, but Aladdin... The idea of Aladdin existed. Yeah, yeah it's true. But we don't know what... Arabian he, Nights, right? Isn't isn't? Did this, they ever, like, describe him in Arabian Nights? I don't know. I've never actually read Arabian Nights, okay. much like probably everyone in the world has not read Arabian Nights. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure that's... Where the concept comes from. Like a street rat Find kind out. of thing? Yeah. Okay. Um, so we cut back to Ishtar at a uh, palace. Oh, wait. Maybe Aladdin was inspired by Ishtar. Wouldn't that be oh, better? Yeah. They <laughs> yeah. saw this boy and they were like, let's have a story just about this boy. <laughs> Who's like, is a guide in the market kind of thing. He's a street rat. Uh, you're you're correct. It is an Arabian Nights, by the way. Oh, yeah. my yeah. God. Wow. Uh, what knowledge. <laughs> So, um, at in Ishtar, we meet the Amir, finally. Oh, yeah. I, it would have helped me, I think, logically, if we'd met him a lot sooner. Yeah, like, why he was, like, I don't know. Maybe he could have been sending out these agents or, like, I don't know. There was just so many things that could have helped with it being um, put in the, in the top of the film. Like, mm-hmm. um, so we finally meet him, and he's, like, Trying to get information about this shootout, or uh, this uh, agents trying to get uh, information from the emir as to why his agents are there, right? At in the market, and then um, they start talking about the map. Again, I don't think it's a map. It's <laughs> it doesn't guide them anywhere. It's more of a prophecy, if you will. 
And then um, the Emir is like basically saying that um, if this map comes out and it turns out that these two idiots are the two messengers from God, which again, like, doesn't make any sense because they didn't really seem to message anything. They were just sowing Yeah, discord. it wasn't like, you know what would be funny? If their lyrics kind of had an unintentional, like, double meaning yeah. that could have been, like, inspirational. Yeah. Like, they're still terrible songs, but they could have had, like, a weird… Yeah, like, that would have been… Okay, That'd so… That'd be so funny. Rewriting my pitch. Their <laughs> songs, for some reason, are terrible songs. Well, because they're, like, metaphors. So yeah. they can… Yeah. But they turn out to be like sowing discord among the locals. That'd be kind so of. funny. Yeah, yeah. that would be like the Woody Guthrie of uh, Ishtar. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that would have been so much better. Yeah, um, they wouldn't even need the map. Yeah, like it would have been like so wait, uh, and yeah. they just have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, just yeah. bumbling oh, idiots throughout like Ishtar. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Emir like announces that. Chuck and Lyle needs to die. And so they were like, the uh, Jim CA agent is like, well, we can't kill an, two American citizens. Like, if it gets not back. Not on purpose. Yeah, not on purpose. But we got we can accidentally do it. And then we cut to Lyle meeting with um, with the chick in. Um, the chick? How dare you? She's a name. <laughs> She's a sheer. A sheer. Sheer. Sheera. Sheera. Again, she is Yet a very again. flat character. I remember the silent wife way more than her. <laughs> um, yeah, at the uh, at, at the market. Wait, what the heck? Why did I write that? That does not make any sense. Um, oh, if you have yeah, another yeah. fact, <laughs> I got a really good one. Actually, I've been saving this one. Uh, apparently, uh, the the director Elaine May was having severe tooth problems during this and she refused to get any work done while in morocco so she would oftentimes come to set fully wrapped on in gauze and like and 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 uh and like just avoiding the sun with like a parasol and stuff like that does the sun make your teeth hurt i get i don't yeah that's the part i didn't understand she would show (laughs) up like looking like a like a mummy type of thing and then uh there would be points where she would just straight up disappear on set for large chunks of time, Warren Beatty would take over directing. Oh, wow. All the time. Oh my gosh. And that they would, she actually would argue with the DP so much that one fight broke out where she's like, you want to shoot this way? Then shoot it. And she straight up would, she just left the set. And in any other set, it, she would have gotten fired. Yeah. But Warren Beatty was trying to make this a gift to Elaine May, like as a friend, like right. here, like you can have this. Uh, that he she he kind of like vouched for other for her to not get fired off the film. Oh, with that's Columbia. nice. That's really nice. But he still regrets doing it. Like he <laughs> he told Dustin Hoffman multiple times, like I made a huge mistake doing this. Right. Jeez. It was all favors, by the way, because D- Dustin Hoffman owed Elaine May for Tootsie. Right. Because she, she did rewrites, right? Major yeah. rewrites to it. Like the the film is Elaine May, mm-hmm. it's like uh, written by Elaine May essentially because of what she did on it. Uh huh. Uh, so it was like all favors, and then she shows up just like fuck this. I'm, like she was so out of like the production of it, like the actual. Jeez, it. Yeah. and it sucks because again, it's very rare for women to actually direct yeah. big yeah. films, especially in 1987. Yeah. Oh god. Okay, so um, they uh, so Chuck and Lyle end up at the 
camel market and Lyle's just like trying to find. Um, well, he's following that code she yeah, gave him, right? Yeah, to ask, um, who was it? Muhammad. Muhammad for a blind donkey. A donkey. Mary, oh, no, a camel, sorry. a blind donkey. We just had this fun camel fact. <laughs> I know you've already forgotten. I know. I don't know why I like thought of a donkey. It's a key plot point, yeah. Mary. The blind camel. <laughs> so he's like bumbling around and like trying to get this like code out, and and across the street in a hotel. Chuck is, like, watching Lyle being an idiot with all these, like, camels mm-hmm. and merchants. And um, Sh- Shira shows up with a gun. And, like, she's they start talking. And she's like, where is the suitcase? I need the suitcase and your the jacket, blah, blah, blah. And um, and then for some reason, Chuck gets jealous for some—like, he thinks that— Well, yeah, they're both really into her for yeah, no reason yeah. whatsoever. Because— Again, she, like, never really showed any emotion towards them. And, like, I mean, she allowed them to grope her, I guess. But that's about it. That's all you need in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she, obviously, she's looking for the map. And then she ends up start crying to Chuck about the missing map because she knows how important this is. I thought she was playing games. Was she? Like, I, I don't know. I really don't know. But I thought she was like manipulating him. That, and if she been, wasn't, I'm disappointed. Yeah, she, she, I wasn't sure if, if she was, it would, should have been like kind of shown a little bit that she was like, like the go, after effects yeah, of the, yeah. She like kind of wipes it away and becomes cold or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would have been great. Um, and, and then, um, we cut to like the camel market. Lyle buys a ca- the blind camel that oh, yeah. he's asking for. Loved that. And a shit ton of other stuff. And he's just walking around pulling this blind camel. And I was like, this poor camel. Like he he well, I guess he would have been eaten if he as Yeah, he would have been eaten. Yeah. <laughs> in his fact and Wait, fact. so was this actually like a blue could you see the eyes it, of it? Its they eyes were blue. blue? Oh, okay. Um I don't know if, I mean, you can't put contacts on a camel, can you? <laughs> that would be awful. They would spit the shit out of you. Like they, yeah, that's probably true. So they probably did find. Another uh, they must blue have one. found yeah. another one. Yeah. Yeah. But did they say why would it have to be blue though? Because it would I be I wonder blind? If, if one a camel is blind. Yeah, maybe it has. If they're born blind, uh, maybe they have eyes that look like that. Yeah. So um, Chuck and Lyle sneak. Look up camel fat. <laughs> are trying to sneak away. Lyle leaves. Because he's, uh, like, I don't know why. Like, he was just... Oh, he had to change. Yeah. Because he was like, they've seen you. They're going to find you. Okay. So, Chuck is just um, standing there. And then the CIA agent, like, comes up behind, like, next to him by this blind camel. And warns Chuck about the Amir um, wanting to kill them, basically. Mm -hmm. So, he tells... um, And Jim tells Chuck to go to the desert. And, like... Look for this oasis and we'll meet, we'll rendezvous there kind yeah. of thing. And then cut to where Lyle is, or um, a cut to where Shira is with the other defectors. Um, and they're like discussing and they're like saying like what they should do with Chuck and Lyle mm-hmm. and stuff. And they decide that Chuck and Lyle needs to die as well. <laughs> and um, the quote here is, um, apparently it's better to have two men to uh, to die than 200. Uh, I mean, they're not wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes sense. Like, to sacrifice two people for the revolution would be a very nice thing. 
Um, and I, again, I was like, she still doesn't have the map. So why sh- would she want Lyle and Chuck to die? Um, I wish I remembered. I, I, I remember the time understanding why they needed to die. Mm-hmm. But now in this moment, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. There was a reason they needed to die. Yeah. So Shira. Oh, because they thought they were working for the CIA. Oh, okay. That's why. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, so Shira is the one that's being sent to talk to Lyle and tell him to go to the uh, the desert. And she gives him like this string of beads. And she's like, it will glow and lead you back to the, um, the town mm-hmm. at night. I was like, he didn't really like signify that he like was worried about going to the desert or anything because he seemed like he was like pretty enthralled by her. You well, know? Yeah, they both were. Yeah, so like he would have done anything, and she yeah. would have not have had to say about the beads or like uh, give him a way to come back or anything. There was like no point. Well, no, I feel like it was good they did that because I mean you don't want to make him so stupid. Yeah, yeah, you know? true. At least give him some kind of defense. <laughs> So uh, Chuck and Lyle go into the desert and they're like kind of like by like trying to go towards this like quote unquote oasis that uh, um, Chuck knows about. And um, and the whole time Lyle's like throwing these beads down and like they both lie to each other about what mm-hmm. how they knew about this stuff. Um, and so they walk off and it gets really like they're running out of water and they're, it's like the desert. So it's a million degrees and uh chuck faints and a bunch of birds fly that was so fast yeah like there was like 20 vultures in five seconds yeah (laughs) and they didn't even know if he was dead or not no yeah they were uh, i was like i i get why this is happening also the way his friend crawled to him was like so pathetic (laughs) it took him like five minutes to get over there yeah it was a long crawl to get to chuck i was like shoo away the birds just shoot them away yeah use some of your strength to like flail or something um uh so i i'm gonna skip right to the climax of the film you're gonna skip okay okay two seconds i want to talk about this gun running scene yes yes because i thought this was very funny Uh uh-huh when he pretended to be uh, what, oh what was he, an God. auctioneer? Yeah, he was like a translator for these auctioneers. So they come upon, in during the in the desert scene, they come upon these gun runners who can't speak the dialect of the locals. And so they're like looking for their, uh, their uh, translator. And it turns out Chuck gets caught and like is like, I, I and he does this weird accent that does not sound Middle Eastern at no. all. And uh, among these, like, villagers is uh, Lyle, who is dressed up like a villager, I guess. Um, And he's, like, playing along with, like, Chuck's, like, gibberish Mm -hmm. so so that they could stay alive. And then the CIA show up in a helicopter and um, they run these gun runners off and leaves a bunch of guns there. Yeah. (laughs) And... So the climax of the movie is that um, freaking they start shooting at this helicopter or two helicopters that were CIA agents trying to kill uh, Chuck and Lyle in the Mm -hmm. desert. And then the guide comes. That was okay. I was like with this. Uh I was like, I'm, I'm following along. It makes sense how they got the guns, which was very fun because they had ridiculous guns Mm -hmm. like grenade launchers and stuff. But then when they just show up in that car, yeah. I'm like, come on. Yeah. How could they possibly find them? Yeah. 
they were and how would they like when the it was it was just a very strange and I feel like they could have fixed it so easily if they somehow again I don't know if they would have had this technology but if they somehow said that the militants like had a tracker yeah yeah or something like that um or like that blind camel was actually like part of the plan or something it had a tracker on the blind camel oh yeah just like any kind of tracker yeah so um in the end uh it turns out that the map is sewn into Chuck's jacket, mm-hmm. and he was wearing it the whole time. As I complained about the very beginning of this. Yes, and then um, they, so they, ha- the militants have, or the revolutionaries have like the upper hand, and then it cuts to the the agent from the beginning, their musical agent. <laughs> Brokering a deal <laughs> with the U.S. government. Oh yes, yeah. um, was always nice trying to get their ten percent. <laughs> <laughs> and so he basically brokers a deal for the peace in the Middle East mm-hmm. <laughs> and for Chuck and Lyle's music to be world famous. For them to get a record deal, yeah, funded by the U.S. government. Yes, yeah. and they were playing at the end of it. They were playing this like weird montage of all their songs. In front of like the uh, like I don't know Ishtar. Basically, like no, yeah. it was mostly army people. Yeah, army. it was like they brought them all in. Yeah, and for like a concert. Basically. Shira is like watching, and she's tearing up because it's so. Amazing. That was insane when she was crying, and they were like, "Why are you crying?" And she was like, "They're just so great." Yeah, I was like, it would have been so funny if she'd been like, "They're just so terrible." Yeah, yeah it would have been hilarious. Yes. Okay, so that's the end of that film. We right. got, we got through it. I will be right back. Lip smacking, back slapping, perfectly delicious. No, no, hot fudge love, cherry. And we're back. And now is our segment where we make our own trailers based on our own pictures of this film. Um, I'll go first if you if you Oh I have no go go for <laughs> okay, it. Okay. Please. Okay, ready. In a world where Ishtar exists in the Middle East, there are two pretty bad loud singers who are working for the emir of that country and for some reason the middle eastern people of this country love their music and it turns out that it is hidden language for a revolution this is Ishtar I love how that was like one sentence yes That's the log line. <laughs> exactly. That is just, that's, all, that's what the people need to know. Yeah, that's all they need to know. Oh, man. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm going to try. We're going to see if this works. I'm going to try okay. and make my voice real deep okay. like these people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might sound absurd. Okay. But uh, also, I don't know what I'm going to say ahead of time. We're just going to figure it out as we go. Okay. All right. <clears throat> In a world. Oh, sweet. That was fun. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. In a world where the Middle East is constantly in conflict, aka every time period since the beginning of dawn, 
two hapless comedians try to save the world. There's gunfights. There's lounge singers. There's women who like their breasts great. It's Ishtar. But uh, anyways, we've come to the end of our podcast. Oh. Would you <laughs> so like So you mean I'm never gonna get to talk about Ishtar ever again? <laughs> no. You just shut it off, never speak about it again. <laughs> well, part of the plugs now is that what you wanted to mention is that you're starting your Ishtar only podcast. Oh yeah. yeah. All we talk about every week is Ishtar. <laughs> if you think we broke it down this week, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, do you have anything real to plug? Um, do I have anything to plug? Um, I have a nice sketch packet I quite like. Okay. If you'd like to read it, my email. No. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not gonna give you my email. But no. um that'd be unwise. No, it would be very but it's, unwise. It's it's, it's it's I it's a good sketch packet. Do, you do, can track me down somehow. Is there you have a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? We can I mean I have so. I, I have a Facebook and an Instagram. Uh, um plug your it's Instagram. both just my names. Oh, it's yeah. Louise and then underscore, I think. Yes, it's an underscore. And then Sylvester. Yes. I couldn't remember if it was a dash or an underscore mm. for a moment. I think it's the underscore. Um, and then well, my Facebook is my name. Yes. Louise Sylvester. Exactly. Yes. Nice. Uh, well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, you can always follow us on all social media in a world uh, podcast. You just search it and you'll find it. Um, and then you can follow me at Mary H-B-N-G-U-Y-E-N. That's Mary H-B-Win at. Twitter, and Instagram. Anyways, thank you. Bye. Yay. In a world.